to head on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and I have with me today, as always, Logan Stump. Always. Always. How's it going? You're, you're the Professor Snape to my Lily Potter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, this is an American soccer show, not British. So I'm confused by the, the reference. <laughs> by the Harry Potter. Sorry, right, I got it. Let me right. find a Star Wars. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> yes, there you go. Right. You're the uh, you're the Han Solo to my <laughs> Princess Leia. Uh, <laughs> kind of hot. <laughs> we are going to be doing a season preview here of Real Salt Lake uh, today. Oops. Uh, but first. We want to maybe talk a little bit about, uh, you know, we just got done the San Jose one that just posted uh, on Monday. And, of course, on Monday we got the confirmation of the uh, Eric Rometty, uh trade to uh, San Jose, uh, f- from Atlanta to San Jose. So that seems to be uh, official. I think we kind of talked about it a little bit with uh, Jamin. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, definitely think you should uh it's been a it was a fantastic episode so really think uh, everybody should take a listen to that uh but logan who do we have uh today what are who are we speaking with uh some rsl about yeah so i i think uh let me let me start where i'm going to start here yeah we're uh interviewing jake simons i believe of rsl show which is in uh, Sandy, Utah, I guess. Uh, not heard of Sandy, Utah until I started really focusing in on Real Salt Lake, but it should be pretty fun. I think it, you know, there's a lot going on with uh, RSL. I think there's, you know, a ton of stuff going on culturally with the team. I think there's a lot going on with ownership. And I think one of the things that we'll key on is it's it's a team with, I think, some promise. They had some dominant stretches there for a bit when they first, uh, when we first get the um, ownership that uh, comes in it, it's almost like he destroys it so I think that it'll be interesting I, I definitely am excited to see what he says uh, about the culture and about the team that's kind of going through this rebuild uh, in a way that not many teams are I think the image I think the actual culture uh, and, and you know we've talked about Houston we've talked about Austin that are going through a different kind of rebranding but I think this is something that's going to take over um, 
a lot of the spotlight as soon as they get a new owner. All right. Well, let's go ahead and welcome them in now. And we are back here with Jake Simons uh, from the RSL show. Uh, how are you today? I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for jumping on here. So, uh, you know, it seems like this is a kind of a big off season for the league so far as a whole, but also uh, if we just kind of jump into how did you start covering uh, RSL and how long have you been doing so and where can people kind of find you uh, if they wanted to follow up on, on this? Yeah. Um, my partner, Josh and I have been doing the RSL show for about four years now. Before that we had another podcast and we've been covering RSL for uh, about a decade, uh, writing blog posts and organizing supporters groups and just, you know, being overly obsessed with Real Salt Lake for uh, quite some time. Um, we are on all of the social at RSL show and you can find our podcast on Spotify, uh, Apple podcasts and all your favorite podcast apps. It's just the RSL show. Awesome. Um, yeah, so that was like probably not long after they won MLS Cup then, right? If, if it's been a decade? Yeah, um, that was kind of one of the things that I think got us started. Um, it's actually right around when Josh and I met um, and became friends was kind of that 2010, uh, 2011 timeframe. And we immediately started... Um, covering the team, I a little bit more so than he at the time. Um, I was writing for my own blog and then started writing for the RSL Soapbox with our good friend Matt Montgomery, who is the managing editor over there. Um, written a couple of things for RSL.com, uh, written some things for the Salt Lake Tribune here locally. Um, and it just kind of threw us into podcasting. And podcasting started off with just a bunch of our friends sitting around a table uh, you know, just having fun, I would right. say. It was a terrible, terrible, terrible podcast <laughs> in about every way that you could possibly imagine. Uh, the production value was very low. The content was atrocious, uh, but uh, it was fun. Uh, we took about a year and a half, two years off from podcasting after that one kind of died on the vine. And then there was a really cool opportunity to take over a show that had been started by um, Chris Anger and Scott Black here in Salt Lake called the RSL show. Um, and we had always thought that it would be really cool to do a more news oriented, opinion oriented podcast. Um, and it was kind of slow growing until the last couple of years and the last like probably two years, two and a half years. It's mm -hmm. been pretty gangbusters. And we've honed in on our kind of our shtick. have a studio now and, uh, you know, we're trying to make some really big moves. We, we had a lot of plans for 2020 and that all kind of got, yeah, you know, undercut with COVID. And so now we've had more time to plan and we understand a little bit more of what is doable in this new reality. So we're trying to get as many things as we can done to provide as much insight to fans of the team as possible. Um, you know, lining up interviews, working on other shows. Um, we're really trying to engage the Spanish speaking market, mm -hmm. um, help, help the team grow there a little bit more. 
um, that that community has been left by the wayside a little bit over the last couple of years. So we want to mm-hmm. we want to help re-engage people there. So you know we're trying to do a, a Spanish speaking podcast and try and grow a little bit of the network and get more RSL out in the Salt Lake area. Well, I'll tell you, Logan and I have the fair share of this is not the first podcast we've done together. So we, we kind of know all about that, uh, you know, starting off um, while well, we could just kind of start this one, but like our earlier works not being, you know, up to what we're hoping yeah. this one is. It's, it's just a growth opportunity, right? You learn. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's funny with the um, that RSL LA Galaxy MLS Cup final is really one of the first ones I remember watching on tv um like i started following the league probably real like more so on tv around 2009 uh before that it was like i went to mls cup 2007 back when they held it at like neutral sites and it was in dc and i'm in maryland so that was like only an hour and a half away and i saw like uh, houston versus new england revolution uh but um other than that, like th- I just really remember watching that um, RSL LA Galaxy match up there, going to penalties, and from then onward, just I uh, started following the Philadelphia Union in 2010 because uh, they were just entering the league, and that's um, again only like an hour and a half away from me. So yeah, uh, so yeah, it's really cool that, uh, that that was a good final. You know, I was listening back to I, I like to listen to back to some of the podcasts that people do that come on. I was actually listening to your guys' interview with Tony Beltran, the assistant GM, and he was talking about because of the issues that um, have happened, especially last year, uh, with Hanson and the ownership team and just everything in the front office. Um, and I thought it was really interesting that Tony Beltran, he puts out this document speaking on the culture of the, the club and just everything around it, the city. I just wanted to get your perspective. What is that like? What's that city like when, it's, when you're talking about the fans and the community that comes together to watch RSL? Are they, you know, deeply uh, hurt by the, the stuff that came out with Hanson? Is it something that created a toxic culture? Yeah, I, I think, you know, you, you can look back and point at years, whole years, where you can say, oh, that's where that bit of toxicity happened. When so we go back to 2009, you know, 2009 to 2013, you could even argue maybe 2014, there was nothing really like Real Salt Lake in Major League Soccer. Um, consistently, top one or two teams in the league making pushes for MLS Cups or US Open Cups every year, competing in CONCACAF at a very high level, um, you know, making a run in one year for a US Open Cup final and the Champions League final. Um, and really, honestly, I hate it. We should have won both those games. Um, yes, I remember this. <laughs> yeah, it's a terrible, terrible, terrible mark on, on the club that we did. Um, but you start seeing kind of in 2014, uh, after Deloitte has transitioned into full ownership, things at the club changing pretty dramatically. Uh, and one question that we ask fairly often is, how do we, how do you, uh, you know, adjust for the Deloy Hansen impact as his legacy, as far as his legacy is concerned, when it comes to some of the more toxic things that he created inside of the front office versus the things that he gave to the club, um, and 
that argument or that conversation is something that a lot of people are going to have to have with themselves, right? Luckily, doing a podcast, I get to, you know, talk about my opinion all the time. But it's hard for me to say that he didn't give a lot to Real Salt Lake. But I think he took away more. And that's where, and I think you hear this from a lot of the fans, the most important thing, uh, that feeling of it being a family, that feeling that you as a fan were part of the club, the feeling of excitement walking into Rio Tinto Stadium to watch your team play, those are the things that he took away from us. And all of the investments in real estate and infrastructure don't necessarily, for me, you know, cover that gap, bridge that distance, however you want to say it, between his legacy and the, and the negative impact that he had on the club. I think if you look at where RSL is today, we're five years behind most teams. Um, from a style of play perspective, from a, a leadership perspective on the field and off the field, from a roster perspective, there's just a lot of work to do. Uh, and the, you know, the fear now is, okay, well, who's the next person that comes in and steps up to the plate? Uh, and is that person going to be the person or persons that are able to rekindle the fire and get RSL back up to where all the fans want it to be? Uh, that's such a good point too with um you know like like i stated just a second ago when i started really watching the league they were you know one of the preeminent franchises in the clubs in the in the league and that team that made it all the way to the champions league final uh was just so strong you know with players like uh alvaro saborio and uh kyle beckerman and such that it's just such a shame to have seen in these last you know five years just them not being able to uh, really stick the landing and and move forward while we see some of these other franchises come in like Atlanta who just kind of came in and immediately won a you know MLS Cup like in their second season so uh, just yeah. shame all around there. I, I you know speaking to that uh, and I know that it's probably kind of anxious around there now because you don't know exactly what is next um, but do you get a sense of, of people starting to gather and kind of come back to the team and, and really get more enthused about the season coming up or is it still a little bit of a hesitation because they're just you know there's a lot of uncertainty without ownership there's not you know signings made there's not big trades being made as much um just because there's just that uncertainty do you feel the community start to come back to the team uh yeah i, I would say that there's a, a new sense of hope that is attached to the potential of the team I think under Deloitte Hansen, we kind of knew what we were going to get. Uh, diminishing budget, less and less spent on the actual play on the field. Uh, and the only thing that was important was, did we make the playoffs or not? I think that even the outside chance that things will change has a lot of people really excited. I think that five years we're hearing voices from the club that we haven't heard in five years and that's exactly you mentioned the the booklet that Tran and others put together even something as simple and old just so many fans because it speaks to the club having a culture again and I think for five years six years you couldn't really say who Real Salt Lake was you couldn't point to a thing and say you know 
under Jason Christ, it was the team is the star and kind of everything uh, flowed. Under Deloitte Hansen, you, you couldn't say any of those things. You couldn't really pinpoint a style of play. You couldn't really pinpoint, a, you know, a motto or a vision for the team. And now we have a better idea of that. So that's, that's what I mean by, you know, voices coming from the front office that we hadn't heard for a while. And um, those things, I think, are exciting. Now, it is still very much a question what will come of Real Salt Lake. And there are a lot of holes in the roster. Uh, there are questions around the coaching staff. There are questions around the front office. Will it all come together? You know, I, who knows, honestly. But that's kind of the fun part right now. The fun part is there's, there's a question mark. There's an unknown that is a little terrifying, but it's a little exciting too. That's a good point. I think, you know, it's tough without a clear direction. And I know when you talk to Beltran, I, I know that a lot of it was focused on just trying to fix that culture that's in and around that club and really trying to get, uh, I think, a sense of direction with the team, um, especially with the struggles last year, just because I think that was more glaring um, that year than it was in any other year, just because of the struggles. Um, do you think it really affected the players? I mean, does it trickle down to, to the players on the pitch or is it, you know, solely just poor play? Is it where they thinking about this? You think, is it something that impacted the actual physical game itself? Yeah, hundred um, percent. We have been told more than one time by more than one player that it impacted how they played on the field. Wow. And that like, that's where you start. Um, yeah, we'd heard things for three years. And there was always this question of, is that enough to break the news and it actually have an effect? Or is this just going to be, oh, this little podcast or this little blog said this thing and it just kind of goes away. Uh, and the sequence of events of the week that all of that stuff happened were super interesting. Uh, and it started to feel like there was at least enough momentum behind uh, or we knew enough that if one big thing came out, it would all lead to uh, kind of where we're at now. Um, so you, we had definitely heard it, and it definitely had an impact, had an impact on fans, had an impact on players, uh, had a, a tremendous impact on the staff of the club. Um, and it's just a much, it's a much healthier place now, and that's, that's really all we could ask for. I think it was pretty cool because I mean, you guys just dropped your kit and it was just, you know, I think it encompasses a lot of RSL. And I think that, you know, seeing you guys come together on Twitter, watching all of your fan base, just kind of doing research on you and then trying to figure out, you know, what your followers and, and everybody's saying about the kit and just kind of that coming together again, it was kind of cool to see. You can just tell how much the club means to a city like that. Yeah, it's, you know, Salt Lake's an interesting place. It's an underdog city for sure. Uh, we definitely like having you know, a fight to fight, a chip on our shoulder. Um, we love being the underdogs. And you're starting to get a sense of that coming back again. Um, so I think that's going to be really cool to watch the, the club kind of, well, the fans rally around the club again. Uh, and, you know, it, it'll be nice when 
all of this uh, COVID crap is over so we can get together again and throw some parties and drink some adult beverages and watch some football. (laughs) Um, So the sale, if I'm correct, is in MLS hands now, right? Didn't they buy it back from uh, Hanson and and now they're the ones negotiating the sale or is it still uh, being sold by by Hanson? They didn't buy it back from him. Yeah, so technically, Hanson still owns the club. He's still footing the bill. Um, he has very naturally, but he is paying all the bills. Um, the league has taken over facilitation of the sale. Um, basically, Deloitte had until February, oh, I want to say 7th or 8th to find a buyer uh, and was not able to. So the league has taken over and now it's in a black box and no one has heard anything for like three weeks and it's super frustrating. Oh yeah, I bet that sounds, uh, cause I think, I think the crew went through something similar or I know, I know recently there was a team where MLS had to facilitate the sale as well while, uh, I believe it was the crew when, when pre-court was getting his, uh, spot in Austin and such. Um, but, there have been some signings at least or rumors of signings coming up here. There, there's talk for the, you know, attacking side of the ball of uh, adding Bobby Wood from Hamburg once his contract runs out over there. Uh, it seems like he's been around a while, but he's still only 28 years old, but hasn't really been featuring a lot over in Hamburg recently. Uh, do you think this is a good move for probably like both parties to kind of, you know, Bobby to get out of his situation uh, come to MLS and uh, for uh, RSL to gain another uh, attacking talent. Yeah, I, I think Bobby Wood is actually exactly what RSL needs right now. Um, and RSL is probably exactly what Bobby Wood needs right now. Um, not getting a lot of time, like you mentioned, some differences with the head coach, it seems. Uh, from everything that we have heard, he really wants to try and get back into uh, the national team conversation. So he needs to get minutes and needs to score goals. And for RSL, we need a striker that is fired up. That is, uh, you know, a finisher that can create chances for themselves. And frankly, uh, somebody who wants to play for us Uh, in some historical context, Demir Krylock and Bobby Wood played together at union Berlin. And, uh, Bobby had a phenomenal season and Demir had a phenomenal season. So we definitely want them playing together again to see if they can reignite some of that connection. Um, I think when you look at what RSL has had in the nine for the last three years, four years, um, almost anyone would be an upgrade. So that it is Bobby Wood, even uh, an out of form in air quotes or not seeing a lot of minutes, Bobby Wood. It's something that we're very excited about. For uh, for Rubio Rubin too, he was just signed from San Diego. He kind of had one of those um, careers. I feel like back in what the early 2010, you know, teens or whatever, uh, he was kind of, somebody that we'd always hear about as an American abroad back before we had all these Americans playing over there. 
and he just never kind of lived up to uh, what people probably thought he could be. Uh, do you see this as just kind of like depth, or do you actually think Rubio uh, can start some matches for RSL as well? I definitely think he'll push. Um, I When I think about Rubio Rubin, it's, it is a depth play, but we need depth that, that can push the starters four minutes. Um, what I would love to see is a healthy rotation. Um, I We talk about this a lot in the RSL world. We always have these teams where you have a ton of depth and then nobody else ever plays besides – 12 players or 13 players. Um, so I, I'd love to see more opportunities for guys like Rubio Rubin to step up and make an impact. And the, the other hope there is that if, you know, if things are working well in Major League Soccer this year, at a minimum, players like uh, Rubin can play down to the Monarchs and get some minutes if there's not a ton of minutes to be had in the first team. Um, the likelihood is that Rubin will see a fair amount of minutes, I think, when I look at our roster. Cool, yeah. I wasn't really sure with how he played in uh, San Diego. Uh, it looks like he actually had seven goals in five appearances, which is, you know, pretty decent uh, under Landon Donovan's team. Um, mm-hmm. But also uh, the loss of Corey Baird then moving to LAFC, which might be just a uh, – do you think that's best for both sides as well here uh, while he kind of struggled uh, recently uh, to, to kind of maybe part ways and see if, you know, especially if you can get Bobby Wood in there as well. Yeah. I, I have a lot of respect for Corey Baird uh, had a phenomenal season, his rookie season. Um, and then just kind of floundered, honestly. And I, we go back and forth talking about if that's a style of play thing or if it's a, a coach issue or if it's a personality issue with Corey and the biggest thing is I think for him the best thing was a change of scenery Um, I hate that it's for LAFC but uh, wish him nothing but the best except against RSL I hope he never scores (laughs) against us and uh, don't tell his dad that I said that because his dad (laughs) is a very nice guy and we like Sean a lot (laughs) I'll tell you, LAFC always seems to, you know, like when they were able to just pick up Bradley Wright Phillips, you know, out of nowhere, and then Columbus picked them up now, and it's just kind of like, how do some of these other teams not get a chance to sign these guys? Yeah, it's a very good question. I, I will say we got paid way more than I think that Corey Baird is worth, so we'll take that money and run to the bank every single day. Mm-hmm. Not mad about that at all. So, yeah, I mean, LAFC, they definitely – they have money to burn, and uh, we are glad to take it from them. Uh, it's interesting with, with the uh, Bradley Wright Phillips thing because that's a player that we had wanted at RSL before he went to LAFC, and I would have said I'd love to have him here this year. Um, so it is kind of curious how some of those things end up most of the time. So switching gears to the defense, um, I, I know there's a lot of mention in just reading through articles and different things and, and watching the coverage of the team. Um, Kyle Beckerman's retirement and then to follow uh, Onua, um, you know, those two are, are pretty solid uh, leaders, I guess you would say. 
probably in the locker room. Um, you know, how, how big of a hole does that leave in the locker room? I know Anua's played more, obviously, on the pitch, but Beckerman had such a huge run there um, with RSL and was such a leader culturally in, in the locker room, and I imagine on the pitch, too. Um, it's just a huge loss. Uh, where do you guys turn? I mean, well, who's going to lead this team? Who's going to, you know, where are they going to find leadership with a culture that seems to be a little bit fractured? Very good question. Uh, Demir Krylock and Albert Rusnak, I think, are the ones that you immediately point to. And Albert is more of the, uh, you know, lead by example kind of guy where Demir is the a little bit more vocal, a little bit more involved type player leader. Um, but frankly, that's why Pablo Mastroeni joined the team, according to every report I've read and people I've spoken with. Uh, he is going to be the guy that drives the culture. And um, it's an interesting choice bringing a lifelong Colorado Rapids player and head coach into the Real Salt Lake organization. Uh, but I would argue that there's probably not a better person that we could have gone and gotten right now to drive some some kind of culture in the locker room and I throw up a little bit when I say that but I'm I'm really interested to see what he can do for the culture of the team uh, I also think that bringing in a new technical director uh, and some of the other staff changes will really help drive the culture and then you hope that Demir steps up right you hope that um, I mean, Albert is likely to be the captain wearing the actual band on the field. But I think that if you don't have two or three guys on the squad who can act like captains, then you're in trouble no matter what. So that's, that's kind of the hope. The hope is that it, it drives from the coaching staff and then leads into um, Demir and Albert on the field. I was going to say Beckerman's also going to be missed for those killer hairstyles. Um, so that's got to be a departure there. So um, it is, it, we will, we will miss his, uh, his dreadlocks very <laughs> much, but they, yeah. I'm sure they'll live on, but uh, so, you know, speaking of those two, that, that leaves it, I think paper thin back there in center back, doesn't it? I mean, in between that back line, that center spot's just, uh, besides uh, Marcelo Silva, who do you guys put in there besides that? And are there guys out there that have enough experience to step into the, some of those roles? Yeah, I actually think uh, Marcelo and Justin Glad will be a, a pretty powerful partnership there. But after that, it gets a little, little bit thin. You've got Eric Holt, who saw some minutes last year. Um, but I, I know we're shopping to bring in kind of a a number, another kind of top one or two guy for center back so that there's a, a little bit stronger rotation. Nice. Yeah. Um, and then my last one on the defense, um, Aaron Herrera, watching him play against uh, Trinidad and Tobago was uh, short of, uh, I think you guys were talking about it where um, Vines got all the attention, um, which I told, I mean, I agree with the, the fact that Herrera didn't get any, and I think he played a lot better than Vines did. Um, you know, Going forward, uh, does Herrera take a step forward? What does he need to do to take a step forward? Because I know he's a pretty bright spot. Um, and then, you know, what's the future hold for him? Because it does seem like he's getting some attention from Europe and different places around the world. Yeah, I, I think Aaron is arguably top three right backs in the league right now uh, and generally goes pretty unnoticed. Um, last year, 
last year or the year before that he almost scored that volley from half field. He's like 19. So in 2019, he almost almost scored what I would argue would have been the best goal a right back has ever scored in the history of Major League Soccer. Uh, but we, you know, we love Aaron. We just want to sell him. Uh, and that might seem a little bit weird, but we see how talented he is and how valuable he is for the club. And part of our model has to be developing players like Aaron and then selling them to Europe um, in order to get the capital that we need to go and buy players in the international market. Uh, we have to have that kind of, you know, Southampton style model. Um, I would hate to lose Aaron Herrera. It would be a massive loss for us. But at the same time, I think he's hitting his, his prime, uh, you know, for moving to Europe and with some interest starting to show and the national team appearance, you only hope that he gets more national team appearances so that he can be seen more internationally and potentially get a move to somewhere in Europe. Um, I think that's what he wants. And, uh, you know, as, as a lifelong RSL guy, we would support him you know, finding that opportunity that I think a lot of kids want to go chase. As a union fan, I totally understand where you're coming from because we kind of did the same thing with uh, Brendan Aronson and Mark McKenzie mm-hmm. where, you know, we, we really valued them, but we also wanted to make sure we established the pipeline that helps get other talents in the Philadelphia area want to come to the union. Uh, so that way we can sell them onward, you know, and they can play first team minutes and move on and they don't have to worry about, uh, you know, taking like the pool sick path of having to move overseas at like 16 years old or younger um, away from everybody and, you know, living um, with only like one parent or something overseas while you're trying to break into a team like Dortmund. Uh, but instead playing in your local area, being able to stay with family, getting the first team minutes, maybe winning trophies the way that Brendan did with the uh, supporter shield and then being able to move on. Um, so yeah, I can definitely see where, where you're coming at there. It, it, Cause it does sound funny, you know, like we really value him, but we want to get rid of him. but it's, it's establishing the pipeline. And also, like you said, getting the capital and hopefully being able to, um, especially with the way MLS has sometimes not allowed some of these younger players to go over there at times. Uh, so um, we've seen it kind of with Aaron Long at New York where they're really only letting their players go to one of the new, uh, to the Red Bulls teams. Uh, and that's causing a little bit of a yeah. issue there as well. Yeah. That'll be one of the next kind of big growing up moments for the league and teams in the league. Um, you know, they're starting to say that MLS is starting to be a selling league, and you can you can only hope that that's actually the case. All right, so last question for you before you head out here. What would be a good season uh, for RSL this season? Oh, that is a really good question. Um, you know, I'm trying to keep my expectations really low. I think a good season for RSL w- would be if by – you know, I guess it would be August probably. We can we can talk about the style of play that RSL is consistently playing. And that in that sentence, you can say the words attractive and attacking. I think that to me is success this year. Um, 
I'm really looking at RSL as a, a three to five year rebuilding uh, program right now. So on the field, if we make the playoffs, I'll be super happy. Uh, we make a run at any kind of silverware, I would be even happier. But I really just want to see RSL back to playing attractive attacking soccer. So just for clarification, even if they missed the playoffs but played better uh, soccer, that would be a success in this three- to five-year project that you're looking at? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, I honestly do not care about the playoffs. Um, I think that the playoffs is a sort of a, a false feeling of success because right. so many teams make Get the in. playoffs. Yeah, like you can, you can trip – backwards into the playoffs like we have the last you know we did that in 2017 2018 and 2019 we fell backwards into the playoffs and people were like oh we did it great season no it was not a good season we didn't play well we didn't we didn't like it. but you know if you want to talk about the playoffs are you in first or second in in seating did you you know roll into the playoffs with ease or were you literally waiting for other results to fall on decision day to determine whether or not you would actually be in the playoffs. Right. So it's a much broader, like longer conversation around what success actually looks like. And I think it all, a lot of it points back to the, the RSL way document that you alluded to that Tony Beltran had a hand in writing. Um, and we're going to be looking for a lot of those things. And that's something we'll talk about a lot on the podcast in the coming weeks, like what the success look like for RSL this year. But I, in a very broad brush um, style of play, you know, uh, there's a lot that ties into that, but style of play on the field, I think is one of the things that, that I'm looking for the most as the team is, is growing into this new ownership era. All right. Well, that's where we will wrap it up. And that was Jake Simons from the RSL show uh, where you can find him on Twitter at uh, RSL show. It's R- at yeah, it's RSL, RSL show, show on all of their uh, social media profiles. Uh, we want to thank him for jumping on with us here. Uh, Logan, what was your uh, biggest takeaway? And I'll tell you mine after this, but what was your biggest takeaway about uh RSL, not just in the research you did, but also with uh, our conversation with Jake. I think you brought up an interesting point. I, I really like the idea that, you know, to, to fix that culture, um, it, it's going to take a lot from the organizations. You know, there's some interesting quotes that he had that he was talking about the, just the culture being toxic and, and that community being a community that relies so heavily on a successful team I think and and you know a team that and by successful I mean just a team you can be proud of a team that you can walk into their stadium and and know that you're going to watch a team that you can be proud of their morals be proud of how hard they're going to work uh, but what from what he said you know having conversations with people inside the club and the organization they're, they're just didn't have didn't have that same kind of feel to it a tight-knit family feel that you really get from that area um, in region of the United States, it, it's it's tough because, you know, culture is a tough thing to build. I think they're on the right path. And like you said, I think Tony Beltran, who releases that document, um, who is the assistant GM, uh, really does a good job of laying out exactly what that looks like. Uh, you know, you laying it out and putting it on paper is one thing, but to try to get rid of some of that stuff, I'm sure that there's still some leftover 
uh, resentment from different people uh, with the club. And I think that that's going to be tough for any new owner that steps in there. But again, I think the biggest takeaway that Jake uh, was, was trying to convey, with, well, you know, talking about it, I think is that culture um, is coming. It's just a matter of, you know, how they're going to build it and what they're going to do to build it. I mean, I'm looking at the bottom of the Western Conference right now, and I'm seeing teams like Galaxy, Real Salt Lake, and Houston Dynamo, and those were all teams that were, you know, uh, up in the top of the Western Conferences and stuff when I started watching. So it is very um, strange to see. Uh, I I do – I don't want to say I have like a soft spot for RSL, but like I said, it's one of the first MLS Cup finals I watched on TV. And then – you know, in the 2009 or 10, whatever year they would have done the Champions League for that. They made the finals. Uh, they could have won those two legs. And uh, I remember just knowing so much about the team back then and not really knowing much about them right now. And uh, what kind of took me by surprise is that actually just playing better soccer would be a successful season for them uh, because I'm so used to having them, you know, near the top. But I guess it has been, you know, five years since they've kind of been able to do that um so that's where I kind of you know was kind of shocked at that but I can kind of understand like you said there's there's so many teams that make it into the playoffs uh in MLS at this point that uh, you know like we talked about San Jose kind of just we just talked about right. them you know on Monday they just kind of fell backwards into the playoffs and and while they pushed yeah. SKC yeah. uh they, they were just not a consistent team uh, and it didn't really do anything more for them just for having that one extra game, you know, uh, and taking SKC to, to penalties, which would have been a huge upset if they won, but they didn't. Uh, Tim Melia stepped up, made three penalty saves, and they couldn't convert one. So uh, in, in RSL's case, yeah, I guess, you know, if, if we watch them and they play better uh, soccer this season, then maybe next year the jump is to try to make the playoffs and actually – like you said, maybe be in like a third seed or a two seed of the playoffs. But the Western Conference is just becoming so packed when you have teams like SKC still competing, Seattle, Portland, Minnesota, who's up and coming, you know, Dallas. Plus you're LAFC. adding Austin. We're adding <laughs> Austin. Add Austin into that mix. Uh, you have Colorado, who somehow got all the way yeah. up to fifth uh, of the Western Conference right. this year. It's a very packed conference, and it and it's always been one of the the stronger of the two in most cases, and that's where uh, I think the signing of Bobby Wood could help them. I know it's been a while since he's really showed a lot over in Hamburg, but this is a player that was playing for the U.S. men's national team against like the Netherlands, uh, scoring goals uh, in big games over there, uh, and he was playing, you know, in Germany, uh, scoring big goals for his club as well before he just kind of has kind of fallen out of favor. So if he can find that form and he's only 28, he can give what five, six years to RSL maybe. I mean, that's pretty good. And if he can score like he was over in Germany at times and with the national team, then, you know, that's going to be an upgrade over Corey Baird and uh, whatever they have up front. Uh, I'm a little less sure of the Rubio Rubin signing. He did well at San Diego but uh, USL championship is a whole different level than MLS. So we'll see how he, how he does there. It's going to be interesting. I mean, and like you were talking about, when you're talking about San Jose and we were talking about them, 
kind of falling backwards into that last playoff spot that's added seems like that could be more of a dangerous situation for a team to be in um, just, you know, mentally and, you know, I think uh, player personnel wise, just because you're, you're, I think less hesitant to make moves. Whereas I feel right. like ourselves like, Oh my gosh, like we have to this build is it not up acceptable. Again. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, this is, I-, I can see what he means. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. look at San Diego, I mean, Sa- San Jose, they haven't even filled their, their defensive exactly. spots that they really right. need. And they could actually fall out of that final playoff spot without a problem i mean and their reliance on wandalowski i think you yes, don't have that with at 38 years old yeah uh that could be a problem you know uh so it'll be interesting i i'm not sure how i feel about rsl yet um if they wait until the summer for bobby wood they have to really tread water before um before then you know but usually with the way that it works with the playoffs right now a lot of teams are not out of it until you know, a few weeks before deadline day or a few, you know, so, so if they have to hold off to the summer for Bobby Wood to come and he comes over here and is able to light it up, then that could be the push. Like I've said with Seattle, when they had Nicholas Ladero come in, in like August and physically like pull them over to a playoff spot with Brian Smetzer as their coach. And then they get MLS cup that year, you know? So, uh, sometimes those summer signings can really propel you and usually you're not out of it at summer anyway, like mathematically, you know, you may look out of it, but mathematically you're never really out of it until maybe a month before decision day at the earliest in most cases. Uh, So, you know, maybe, maybe they can sneak in there. Uh, But like you said, that might be dangerous in the sense of then they think, Oh, everything's doing okay. But you know, let's say their play style is looking really good and then they sneak in there, then it's probably not a bad deal. You know, if you're playing awful and sneak in there, then that might be a little bit more damaging than if it seems like the process is actually working. Yeah. I think this could be rough sledding. (laughs) I mean, if, if wood doesn't work out, um, I just don't see that they're getting worse because they're losing two big, big, big people in their leadership um, that I don't know, you know, I, I, what does it look like without Beckerman? I mean, what does that look like in a locker room without him? I mean, the culture was already shot and you need somebody like a Kyle Beckerman or a Nua. Beckerman's been there the whole time right. I watched RSL. That's oh yeah, how, it's nuts. He's been there forever. He's been there. He's a legend. I mean, if you read through a lot of this stuff and you see the different videos that were posted by RSL, you just see how much of an icon that he truly became. And when you don't have somebody like that anymore, that's a big gap to fill you. I, I know it's, you know, he didn't play, but I think six or seven matches last year, but he just, you know, that's a spot that just doesn't, you know, it's not somebody you just replace in the locker room. That That's going to be a big, big miss. I think just having that stableness of him and then Anua, you know, putting actually being on the pitch, just anchoring some of that defense is it's going to be tough. Just want to give a shout out to Kyle Beckerman as well because he's uh he's from Maryland. He grew up in Crofton, so uh, just giving him a little shout if he's out. Listening, yeah. If he's listening, yeah, we can maybe he's our Mariner. Maybe he's our Maryland listen that we see on here. You never know. Maybe he's re- he's <laughs> waiting for the RSL pod. Yeah, he's, he's waiting for the RSL episode. He's like, yeah. He was so mad he didn't. We didn't have him on. Kyle, we'll give you a <laughs> shout on uh, Twitter. All right. Well, that about wraps us up. You can follow us at Stateside Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.com slash Stateside Show. 
or uh, email us the state uh, at stateside show at gmail.com. Uh, coming up next episode, we have a rapids breakdown, I believe. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, that'll probably uh, be up sometime either over the weekend or, or the following week. Uh, we'll figure it out because we already released one on Monday. This one's coming out on Wednesday, I think. So we'll, we'll figure out how we're structuring these at times. But, uh, you know, look forward to that. Subscribe so that we don't miss it because I'm sure we have lots to talk about with the Colorado Rapids. And uh, we will catch you all next time. Tomorrow, throwing his body in. It's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on! Come on! Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. Men's National Team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.